coming up in this episode of Can You Believe It? He is a unit. Have, have you seen like pictures of him lately? Like he looks like a soccer ball with legs and arms. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. tennis, though. All right. <laughs> So, yeah, and fuck tennis. <laughs> but that sounds like extra effort. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens next in the podcast. <laughs> you fools in the skies, Illuminati's controlling your life. Can you believe it? Rob circles and Jesus toast. The time that Kesha fucked a ghost. And welcome to Can You Believe It, a semi-regular podcast on the paranormal that asks the all-important question, can you believe it? My name is Matt Neal, and I'm joined, as per usual, by authorised wedding celebrant and seventh man on the moon, the Colonel. Thanks for joining us, Colonel. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Thank you for coming all the way here. Well, uh, I've been here for a while. Oh, have you? I didn't Mm. didn't notice. Yeah, I was just hiding. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I'm also joined by last year's winner of I'm a Celebrity, Can I Go to the VIP Area, Brady Jones. Welcome, Brady. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, It was a traumatic time for me and my family. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we dive into today's tale of paranormal paraphernalia, let's hear a message from our sponsor. I've got a real zinger this week. Um, This week's uh, sponsor is Greasebox. Now, Greasebox is a fully deconstructed fast food meal kit with none of the convenience of regular fast food. That's right. Experience the banality and confusion as you put yourself in the shoes of a minimum wage teenage grease slinger. You might ask, why bother? Fuck you. That's why. Grease box. Get it in your gob. Thank you, Colonel. Thank you, Grease box. All right. Now, this might seem like a little bit of a diversion, so you might have to bear with me here, gentlemen. We're we're about to enter the world of sport. Mm. Sport. Yes, where the paranormal and sport meet. You mean ghost hockey? <laughs> that's a thing. That's a, that's actually a thing. <laughs> no, no, no it's I'm, not joking. A, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, it's not, but it should be, shouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, how yeah, cool would that be? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Australian national soccer team played its first international matches in 1922 against New Zealand in New Zealand. The tour didn't go well. The Socceroos, as they would come to be known, lost two matches and drew one. This set the tone for the first 50 years of the national Aussie team. In 1951, the Socceroos lost 17-0 to a touring English side. In 1956, they got to play in the Olympics, but only because they were the hosts. Uh, <laughs> they, managed, they managed to beat Japan 2-0, but lost to India 4-2 in the next round. Uh, you're putting the spread on, you may as well play. That's it, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, guys... I know, like, it's my ball, so can I play too? Like, <laughs> Last picked. <laughs> they attempted to make the World Cup for the first time in 1966, but lost both qualifying matches they played in by a differential of nine goals to two. They tried again for the 1970 World Cup. In the first round of qualification in 1969, they played South Korea in a round robin against host nation Japan. They won two games, drew two, and made it through to the next round. Yes! Hey. Australia! In November 1969, the Socceroos travelled to Mozambique to play against Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, in a best-of-two series. The Australians were hot favourites, and the matches were expected to be a mere formality. 
In fact, 1970 World Cup host Mexico had told the Rhodesian side they wouldn't that even if they beat Australia, they would not be allowed at the World Cup due to the white <laughs> Southern Rhodesian government's treatment of black population at the time. Oh, as a as a result, the matches were almost cancelled. But at the last minute, Australia was given the go ahead to play, and were expected to win. Cool. <laughs> The first game was a one-all draw, with the Australians wasting numerous scoring opportunities and playing without their captain, Johnny Warren. Now, remember that name? He's going to—he's an integral part of this story. Was uh. The second game was a nil-all draw, with uh, Australia again wasting shots of goal despite completely dominating play. A third game was announced. It was at this point that a local journalist gave the Australian team a tip. They should use a witch doctor or a nyunga to help them win the deciding game by cursing the Rhodesian team. What? I uh, mean, that's just go-to sports strategy, really. But yeah, that's just straight <laughs> out of the coaching playbook. I mean, how did the Patriots win that game against the Falcons? Witch yeah, well, doctor. Well, I, I, I'm, fairly, I'm fairly sure the Patriots are fueled by Satan. But I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was because they let some some air out of the ball. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So, hey, the hey, evil spirits. Hey, can, can, can we just back up a little bit? Oh, yeah. Um, who suggested that to the Australian team? Uh, a local journalist. So he was like maybe, you know, like maybe he's like an agent for like witch doctors. He's, yeah. he's like a witch doctor agent. He's a pimp for, for witch doctors. Yeah, he's like maybe. he's like the Jerry Maguire of like, you know, pseudoscience. It could be maybe his brother is a witch doctor. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, that, actually, that actually didn't come up. I, I didn't find out anywhere uh, where why it was a local journalist. Well, mystery, we, mystery solved. That's it. Slipped off but into the night. We may actually get to the bottom of that a little bit later. Okay. The reporter said the practice was common in Mozambique. Seeing no harm in giving it a shot, a group of players went to see the Nyunga, who, who assured them he would help them win. That night, the Nyunga went to the pitch where the game was to be played, buried some bones near the goalposts, and placed a curse on the Rhodesian team. The next day, Australia won 3-1. Bang! Wow. <laughs> that's the... It uh, works, kids. That's the power. Yeah. Yeah. After the match, the Nyunga approached the Socceroos and told them he wanted to be paid for his services. Now, accounts vary, but the amount was somewhere between uh, uh, $1,000 Australian and £1,000, which is about $2,000 Australian. The players either couldn't afford to pay or didn't want to pay. The Nyunga warned them he would reverse the curse and put it on the Socceroos. Ugh, what idiots. But the players, either because they didn't believe the witch doctor or because they simply couldn't come up with the cash, left the country without paying. Now, see, you don't... Like every horror film I've ever seen, you you don't mess with the curse. Why would you piss that guy off? You've just seen what can happen. Yeah. List of things not to do is, you know... (laughs) Not pay the witch doctor. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. That's that's top of the list. You don't fake <laughs> out the heebie-jeebies. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like let's hire you to do this thing, and then we do it, and we see that it works. Let's go. No, that doesn't work, and just walk off. Like, <laughs> was it a case of you know, like the the white man going, "Oh, we don't need to pay," you know, uh, that kind of thing? Well, or? it's it's either that they, they yeah, it's either they couldn't afford to pay or they didn't. Uh, they just didn't want to. I, I would lean towards they probably couldn't pay because yeah. none of the team were professional. They so all had what, jobs. What, what year was it? It was 19... 1969. 1969, yep. okay. Yeah, that's, that's a fair yeah, bit of coin. And, and like, uh, soccer wasn't really, you know, very big in Australia at no, that point. No, it wasn't, no. Uh, so, the captain, Johnny Warren, sincerely believes that from that point onwards, Australian soccer was the subject of a curse. Quote, from that moment that he put the curse on, everything went wrong for the team, Warren said. 
So the Socceroos flew from Mozambique to Tel Aviv, where they were to play against Israel for a spot in the 1970 World Cup. The flight, which typically typically takes about 15 hours, took 38, according to Warren. Upon arrival, three of the Aussies' best players were too sick to play. One what, ma- what, what, what were they sick with? I don't know. I didn't quite get to that. But they've just been touring through Africa and landed in the Middle East. Yeah. And their yeah. delicate Australian bellies. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a tough time. Yeah. Malaria? I don't know. <laughs> what yeah, do, you, what like, do you want? Yeah. Um, one match report notes that Ron Curry, the, Ron Curry, the Australian goalkeeper, kept the side in the game with some great saves, including stopping a penalty. But in the end, it was the Israeli side's fitness and te- technique that saw them prevail. According to Johnny Warren, Israel's winning goal in the 1-0 victory came courtesy of a deflection off an Australian player, an own goal. Ugh. Curse. The curse. curse. The curse yeah. is on. Had to yeah. be. What else could it be? The side returned home for game two at the Sydney Sports Ground. It, I don't know what that's now called, but... Sydney Sports Ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. But it was a one-all draw, meaning Israel was off to the World Cup. Johnny Warren was convinced the curse of the Socceroos had begun. Despite this, in the lead-up to qualification rounds for the 1974 World Cup, Australia won eight friendly games, drew three, and only lost four. And in the first round of World Cup qualifications, they didn't lose a single match. In the mm. second round of qualification, they defeated Iran. And in the final qualification round, they defeated South Korea in Game 3. Australia had made it to their first World Cup. Bang. So the curse has ended. Right, there we yeah. go. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> so in that World Cup, 1974, Australia failed to score a single goal and went out in the first round. Um, so wow. that tends to happen a fair bit, though, doesn't it? Yeah. To, to, to teams that you know aren't... Soccer nations, yeah, but that's yeah. just teaser curse, you know. What? Yeah, yeah, give you a little you give taste, taste of success. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the take cur- it away. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the cruel curse. Yeah, yeah. It's the very free hit that the dealer gives you. <laughs> oh, is that just me? So uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> In 1985, the Socceroos made it to the qualification playoff again in the World Cup, but lost to Scotland. In 1993, they were in the qualification playoff again, this time against Argentina. It was the first time Argentina had been forced into a qualification playoff, which was even more remarkable because the Argentinians had played in three of the past four World Cups, uh, World Cup finals. On top of this, the legendary Diego Maradona had returned to the Argentinian team. So Australia's up against it here. He is a unit. Have you seen like pictures of him lately? Like he looks like a soccer ball with legs and arms, <laughs> like and with like really immaculate hair. Like somehow, like he's a he's a, a strange looking dude. The first leg of the qualifiers was in Sydney, and the Socceroos shocked the sporting world by managing a one-all draw. Maradona would later claim that ahead of the second match in Buenos Aires, the Argentinian Football Association was so adamant that they would win, they gave the side some, quote, fast coffee and steered the players around drug tests. Argentina won 1-0 and went through to the 94 World Cup. Hang on, uh, just just say that again. What, what, What happened? So... The, so Australia got a draw in the in their in the, their home game. Yeah. So so they were still in it. They go to Argentina and the Argentinian Football Association, according to Maradona, were just so like 
adamant there was no way they were going to miss a world cup so they drugged that they doped their own players <laughs> and steered them around drug tests and they won like they well, but hang on why why did they drug their own players they gave them they gave them something called fast coffee they gave them they pumped them full of cocaine cocaine and yeah. that makes you play better at yeah yeah like it was a good drugging not yeah a bad, yeah not yeah, bad yeah. drugging yeah sorry like you know Enhanced their team, yeah. So they were just guaranteed the win. So like, like switches them on or something. It's like it's basically ghetto Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Have some of this cocaine. (laughs) And then yeah, so they just dosed them all up, and they went out and they just ran all day. Nothing could stop them. Yeah, right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm feeling great. I just feel so good. I, just, I really, I really want to really play soccer. Do you really, I, I really want to play I think we should go play some soccer. So I think that would be great. In 1997, Australia again made it through to the World Cup qualification playoffs, this time against Iran. So we're, we're now 23 years since we've played in a World Cup. We had that little wow. taste, the first free hit from the dealer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're up against Iran. There were some strong words from the Aussies prior to the first match of the two-match series in Tehran, including claims it was too dangerous to play there and that the Socceroos were taking their own drinking water. That's yeah. just good old-fashioned Aussie sledging, is it? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Was, it, was that the time when like Ayatollah was in power and it was like a pretty dodgy sort of time? Yeah, I don't know. Any time after the late 70s in Iran, I think's pretty heavy. Yeah. 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 There in the game, Harry Kuehl scored for Australia in the 19th minute, but Kodadada Zizi equalised in the 39th minute. <laughs> it was a one-all draw. Australia returned home and two days later prepared to face Iran at the MCG. Confident they could win on their home turf and reach their first World Cup in 24 years, breaking the curse. They hadn't lost a match in the qualifying round so far, and one more win here would put them through. 98,000 people turned up at the MCG for the match. And things started brilliantly for the Aussies. Kuehl scored in the 32nd minute, and then shortly after halftime, Vidmar put Australia up 2-0. Are right, you with me here? Yeah, We're, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hanging yeah, on yeah. tenor hooks? All right. It was at this point we need to introduce a man called Peter Hoare. Now, whenever Hoare is described in the Australian media, his name is usually accompanied by the epithet Serial Pest a title Hoare himself has used. By his own description, he is someone who has, quote, shown where things are lax. I am a person who is normally ahead of the security, ahead of the FBI, or ahead of ASIO. In 1997, he ran onto the track during the Melbourne Cup. I remember this guy. Yeah. Later that year, he caused a disturbance at Michael Hutchinson's funeral. Oh, yeah, what I a remember dick. that too. Yeah. What the hell? In 2000, he burst into the lower house of the South Australian Parliament and ran down the aisle. He disrupted Australian Open matches, the funeral of horse trainer TJ Smith, and a lingerie fashion show featuring Sarah Murdoch, and even joined the runners for a short distance in the men's marathon at the Sydney Olympics. <laughs> in, two- in 2007, he ran against Kevin Rudd in the seat of Griffith under the name P.M. Howard. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> so, you, you guys familiar with this? You know this guy? Yeah, like, I can actually, I, I, I remember, I can picture him in, in, in my head. He looks like a, looks like a homeless dude with like, a, he's got a beard and shabby hair. Yeah, he had like a, like, like a ponytail, sort of like a mohawk or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like shaved bits in his head. And um, maybe like a couple of dreadies or something. Yeah, I remember him like running out onto the, um, onto the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. And it was like, like he was. It was like a suicide It was lucky run. he didn't yeah. die. Yeah, like those horses are clicking down the track and, you know. What a fucking asshole running into people's funerals yeah it's like how, that, that, how low can you go 
Like, I think, like, yeah, that other stuff is, like, pretty stupid, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is just fucked. Yep. Disrupting the tennis, okay, that's good yeah. for a laugh, whatever. I mean... But you get fuck- ejected, okay, but someone's funeral. Fuck, yeah. Fuck yeah. tennis, though. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, and fuck tennis. <laughs> yes. So, so, uh, so Hoare was there at the MCG in 1997 when Iran played Australia, and after the Socceroos scored their second goal and had all the momentum... Hall ran out onto the pitch and began cutting the goal net at the Iranian end. There was a delay in play as security what, removed... What, what was he cutting it with? Like, just like a pair of scissors or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was a delay in play as security removed Hall from the field. It is generally considered that this break in play allowed the Iranians to compose themselves. And when Kuehl was yellow-carded for a collision with the Iranian goalkeeper in the 72nd minute, the momentum again seemed to change. With less than 15 minutes of regular time left... Iran scored twice Ugh. and the game finished as a two-all draw. Iran, I- having scored more goals, more away goals in Australia, were into the 98 World Cup. Australia's curse continued. <laughs> so, like, where's the witch doctor through through all of this? Like, is, is he he's still just, in the picture or...? He's just... He's, uh, he, he may have even been dead by this point, but he was potentially just still back in Mozambique, just chilling. Mm-hmm. Just watching his curse. He's just he's just reading the papers, watching soccer on TV. Just going. <laughs> See if I know if, if if I know anything about curses, it's that you need the original guy who like put the curse on it to like stop it, right? To like negate the curse or the hex. Mm. It's mm. interesting you should say that. Wikipedia has this to say about that that game between Iran and Australia in Melbourne that night. Quote, the match is considered by many Australians as one of the most tragic moments in their sporting history. <laughs> That's well, Wikipedia putting a bit of putting a bit of mayo on it, but the, it's uh, now look if, know, if, if, if you I, I remember that night, it was it was pretty full on. Yeah, now and like for our listeners out there that don't know, you know, much about Australia, maybe uh, we take our sport very seriously, more like, seriously than our politics. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. much more seriously. Yeah. Like we, we we don't even know really really what's going on in, in the political world, no, but no. our sport. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, we take it very seriously, and when we go to those, you know, international events like the World Cup or the Olympics, or even, you know, to a lesser extent, the Commonwealth Games, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, the Australian Which we totally public, rule at. Yeah. the Australian public get behind it, and yep. you know, we're constantly talking about it, and and you know, theorising <laughs> on our teams and how they're going to do so, even if we have no interest in that sport whatsoever. Prior oh yeah, to yeah. That moment. Like yeah. water polo, like oh. I, I, I could sit there during the Olympics and you know watch water. Pole and I'm like I know I'm an expert about it. By the end of it. I'm like oh yeah, he needs to do one of those like flippy up where he waddles up and then throws it you know really fast. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yes. I, I just thought so, I, yeah, so I, I just the main bit of water polo. I, I, yeah. I, I just thought I, I, I put it in context. The ball. You know, yeah. Yeah. like it, 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 no, just it kick it. Why'd you kick it for? <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia also notes that the broadcast of the game on SBS uh, that night featured closing comments from a clearly distraught Les Murray, may he rest in peace, and Johnny Warren, may he also rest in peace, with Warren openly weeping on air after the loss. Even the Iranian manager, 
Valdir Vieira said he felt sorry for Australia and understood how they were suffering. That, now, that's really rubbing it. When the yeah, other team yeah. goes, yeah, yeah we're yeah. really sorry. Oh, that's really uh, got to hurt. Like, that hurts, yeah. doesn't it? That's Look, we, we, yeah. we, we tried to take it back, but then we realised that we couldn't. So we, so we just let you have it for most of it, and then we just kind of kicked a couple of goals at the end. <laughs> sorry. You must really feel shit. My bad. <laughs> Warren later said that, quote, when Australia played Iran at the MCG that night, which Australians will not forget that was australia's game and we didn't win it for some reason that's the witch doctor so every time you see those things things you think ah the curse is still there mm. in 2001 australia again made it to the qualification playoff for the world cup how much torture can we take here? Yeah. <laughs> this time they faced uruguay who hadn't made the world cup since 1990 things started well in the home leg with australia winning one nil at the mcg courtesy of a kevin musket penalty all the socceroos needed was a draw in the second leg in montevideo and then they would be into their first World Cup in 28 years. Hopes were high, the curse would end. Things started badly when yes. a mob of Uruguayan fans started punching and spitting on the Australian players oh. as they arrived at the airport. I remember, I, I remember this and... Uh, we were just... I was irate. I was so that is angry. Fucked. Yeah. I was so angry. Oh, man. Yeah. What? Just to turn up... Welcome to, to Uruguay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean... It's our custom. <laughs> just, just going back on what we were saying before, like, we're passionate about That's sport. Right. It's yeah. like insane levels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not, like, to the level of psychotic... Yeah, yeah. ...that some other countries are for certain things. But, yeah... Um, but, you know, that could just be a traditional Uruguayan greeting, you know, just punching and spitting on people. I don't know. I'm just going to yeah. throw it out there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. But it could just be that Uruguayans are pricks. I don't know. <laughs> what are the other? I, 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 I certainly thought thought they were at that point. Yeah. Like <laughs> Things didn't get much better when the game actually started. Mm, I watched this game. Uruguay's Dario Silva scored in the 14th minute. And they kept the Aussies at bay for almost an hour until Uruguay were able to score again in the 70th minute. A third goal in the final minute of regular time rubbed salt into Australia's wound. Uruguay were off to the 2002 World Cup. Aussie Tony Vidmar walked from the pitch in tears, visibly distraught at the thought of another missed opportunity. The curse continued. (sighs) Just can't take a trick. Like, yeah. at, at this point, is is there anybody else like talking about the curse? Like, uh, are the Australian soccer commentators talking about it? Are the journalists talking about it? Like, is this like a hoodoo? You know. Well, we might. I might just leave that. I might put a pin in that question. Okay. And uh, we'll uh, we'll come back to that. <laughs> just days after Brazil won the 2002 World Cup, uh, Australia squared off against old rivals New Zealand in the 2002 Oceania Nations Cup. A win would mean not only qualification for the 2003 Confederations Cup, but $1.7 million in prize money. What? Woo. Hey, New Zealand don't have that kind of cash. No, they don't pay you. You don't get the money off the losing team. <laughs> Why? <laughs> We're also paying- Where does it come from then? We're also playing for uh, pink slips. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen Fast and Furious. That's how it yeah. works. No, th- th- someone puts money up, you know, like an organization. So like the Oceania confederacy or something okay yeah they sound like a cartel yeah but what could be um okay so new zealand won one nil Socceroos coach frank farina said the loss was humiliating and that australian soccer had hit rock bottom so not only do we make not make the world cup we lost in soccer to new zealand yeah yeah yeah. Hello to all our New Zealand listeners. Oh, man. We do love you. Johnny Warren declared that, quote, the way the game has self-destructed, has shot itself in the foot so many times, been its own worst enemy, and you always think, 
ah, the witch doctor. This is the curse still working. <laughs> so Johnny Warren's putting a lot in, a lot in this. Yeah, like he's he's fully invested in the, in this uh, yeah. curse. In 2004, two years out from the 2006 World Cup in Germany, Australian journalist and TV personality John Safran interviewed Johnny Warren about the curse. Safran vowed to travel to Mozambique and have it lifted. Now, I actually, I actually interviewed John Safran about, what? about this. We have, awesome. we, have, we have a celebrity on our podcast? Oh, don't, well, no, not really. I mean, there, maybe there's some audio there we oh. can pull out. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but that sounds like extra effort. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens next in the podcast. <laughs> uh, Safran um, was convinced that Warren wholeheartedly believed in the curse. Quote, he was really sincere about it, Safran said. It really messed with his head a bit. Safran's mission to Mozambique was filmed as part of his show, John Safran vs. God. In the episode, Safran met two Nyangas in Mozambique named Paulino and Miriam. They said they would invoke the spirit of the original Nyanga who placed the curse and get them to overrule it. How? Mm. Which doctoring? Nyanga magic. I've, Nyanga actually, magic. I've, I've seen this episode and it's <laughs> insane. It's great. It's <laughs> yeah. really good. Um, after purchasing two chickens at a market... They went to Lorenzo Marquez uh, Stadium in Maputo, Mozambique, the place where the original curse had been placed and the Socceroos had defeated Rhodesia in Game 3 all those years ago. Uh, what are we, were 30, 30 years on from this at this stage. Wow. That's a good curse. As, yeah, 30 years <laughs> yeah. of curse. That's, That's pretty a, good. It's, it's got yeah. like a really good expiry date. Yeah, yeah. It's got, they don't make curses like they used to. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can. that's the revenge curse. Like, yeah. he's not throwing out the top dog for the guys that are asking him to put it on. It's just, yeah. this is against him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I'm, re- I'm going for the top shelf yeah. juju. Yeah. All the way up the back. The good shit. <laughs> So they all gathered in the center of the pitch. Safran served as the, quote, intermediary of the Australian, of Australian soccer, while Paulino challenged the, channeled the spirit of the long-dead Nyanga, who had placed the curse in 1969, allowing the deceased witch doctor to take over his body. So well, was there like, you know, like any footage of, of this happening? Like yeah, they, filmed, you, yeah. they filmed it on yeah, the Yeah, you can, you can watch yeah. the whole episode uh, on, I think it's on YouTube, um, and you can see all of this. Admittedly, the the effect of the uh, Nyunga being possessed by the dead Nyunga, it's not that flashy. It's yeah. not that showy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like he just sort of like talks a little bit deeper. So just, that's just, kind of just about matter it. of factly. Like, yeah, he's yeah. like, hey, I just got... Another witch doctor inside me. I got another witch doctor in me. Yeah. He said with a knowing look. Yeah. <laughs> and my voice just got deeper. Now, Safran's own body was prodded and stretched and swept clean using a small brush to ensure he hadn't brought any bad spirits with him. Yeah, it's the only way to get rid of spirits is like a brush. Yeah, just a little it, delicate little... Yeah, just, it's, it's well, I like, kept mine next to the front door. I don't know it, about you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like brushing your dog. <laughs> Stop calling me that. (laughs) Yeah, boy. While the Nyunga's assistants chanted, Paulino placed a knife on his head, which Safran and his local guide had to spit on. They then placed coins on Paulino's head. Yeah, have a slag on that. Yeah, and the the video is great because the assistant kind of comes out and just goes... And Safran kind of goes... (laughs) 
Hawks a big old loogie. Uh, yeah. That's the only way to break that, you know, that curse. If you're going to do which which doctor's shit, you got to do it properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not just a little spit. It's I'm, all, I'm, glad all he, I'm glad he, like, as an Australian, you know, yeah. showed him how to how, how to really spit. Yep. <laughs> so the spirit appeared in Paulino's body and and said hello to those gathered. He then said he wanted hello. to. <laughs> he wanted to t- <laughs> guess who's back. <laughs> he then said he wanted to talk to Safran. Safran presented the younger with gifts, including coins, a chicken, and a bottle of whiskey to compensate for the Socceroos rip, quote ripping him off. <laughs> Safran noted that the Aussies quote did a bad thing uh, in not paying the younger in 1969. Yes, said the dead younger, speaking through the live younger. If you do all this, I will leave you in peace. Saffron was then covered in chicken's blood. <laughs> yeah, that's, you like that, don't you? <laughs> it's like that's that's potent stuff. That's potent juju. Mm, like yeah. full mm. chicken's blood, fresh, fresh chicken, like straight out of the chicken, straight out of that's, the chicken. Oh, like they, that's, yeah, they killed it there. Yeah, yeah killed, killed it there yeah. and just kind of poured it out of the chicken yeah, straight really, onto that's, him. That's really potent juju. Yeah, though. yeah. <laughs> Saffron, suffice to say, was a little bit freaked out by that yeah. happening. It's like double barrel. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hit you with both barrels of chicken. <laughs> Saffron then returned to Australia and met Johnny Warren in Sydney at Stadium Australia, which was then called Telstra Stadium. Mm. They, uh, they stood on the pitch, washed their arms and legs and faces before putting on a clay mixture than Younger had given Saffron. They splashed it over their arms and legs and faces, and Warren said he believed it would break the curse. The segment does conclude with a note on the screen saying that soon after filming, Australia lost to Turkey 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know but, that was? but another that, that, chicken. That was just the the witch doctor going. Yeah, sake. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait a minute. It just it just takes a little while to wind down. Okay, it's just my, my keep roll. I can't stop this thing. It's not easy to stop thirty two years of curse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't just it's turn like, it off. No, you can't just turn it's off. Gonna get curse. to the bottom of the hill and roll a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. It's bad breaks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The following year, Australia made it into the qualification playoff for the 2006 World Cup. So this is where we're going to test it for real, all right? Yeah. This is the big show. Their opponent once again was Uruguay, who were ranked 18th in the world. Australia was ranked 49th. I remember being at a pub uh, in Australia, watch, watching that game with some friends and chanting, get down, Uruguay, get down. <laughs> because... We were just so angry, uh, you know, that, that they'd done us the last yeah. year, you know. The four years ago, they beat us, and now, yeah, this was this was the... I, I remember watching I think I was at... We, yeah, at yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think we were watching it yeah. together. The first game of the, uh, of the two-game series was played in Uruguay. Home side was victorious, 1-0. Four days later, more than 82,000 people turned up at Telstra Stadium, the very place where Safran and Warren had met to break the curse, <laughs> to watch game two. Australia needed to win by two goals to advance to their first World Cup in 32 years. Things looked good for Australia when Mark Bresciano scored in the 35th minute, but for the remainder of the play, of play, neither team was able to break the deadlock. The game went into 30 minutes of extra time, but still neither side could get the one additional goal they needed to win. Oof. The game went into a penalty shootout. Oh, God, I remember this just being the most nail-biting thing in the world. Yeah. Soccer's really shit how a game can be just decided on a penalty shootout. But, oh, my yeah. God, penalty shootouts are fucking awesome. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. They, they're awesome when they go your way. And, oh, my God, just, they're soul-destroying yeah. when they go the other way. 
So Harry Kuehl nailed the first shot and a save by Aussie goalie Mark Schwarzer gave the Socceroos an early advantage. Both sides' next penalty, att- penalty attempts were successful, putting Australia up 3-2 effectively. The next Socceroos shot missed, but Schwarzer again saved the next Uruguayan shot. <laughs> then John Aloisi stepped up to the spot. If he scored, Australia was in the World Cup. He scored. Yeah! <laughs> the stadium erupted. I like how we all knew how that was going to what was going to happen there but you still play at the moment that's good I remember um, like uh, going to the going down the street and singing and stuff like that with all the guys it was a lot of fun at the end of the broadcast on SBS Craig Foster former player and then broadcaster snuck in a quick thank you to John Safran at the end of the broadcast <laughs> oh right. nice one yeah now I I interviewed Craig Foster and he didn't give me a lot. In fact, at the end, he said, look, I think you should talk to someone else. I don't really know much about this. So he didn't want to talk about it? No. And he didn't remember actually doing, saying thank you to John Safran at the end of it. Wow. And I asked him But about, he definitely did. He definitely did. Like, yeah. the, the, like there's yeah. footage of it or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it was written about in the press at the time. Like, so there was some stories done after uh, Australia got in. And everyone was like, well, why does he thank John Safran? And then they were yeah, oh, yeah, because yeah. of that John Safran versus God episode. So when I asked Craig Foster about it, he just kind of totally played down. He goes, he didn't remember it. And he, no one, he didn't really know much about the curse. And, and then he just didn't want to talk. So that wow. Um, Conspiracy. Yeah. Safran said he'd actually kind of forgotten about it at the time, about the whole, ep- about the episode and breaking the curse and everything. And he watched the game and didn't even remember. Like, he didn't really sort of click that he'd gone to Mozambique. Like, because wow. he said he'd just been, he said he, they'd been so busy filming John Safran versus God, they went everywhere, they're all, all over the world. Like, he he got, um, and he was exercised in, in South uh, Africa, the, I think, was it? Or? No, in the States. It was in the yeah. States, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so he went everywhere. It was a massive experience. And he, yeah, he said, uh, I'd kind of forgotten about it. I woke up. And my e- the next morning, and my emails were exploding. Australia had qualified for the first time in 32 years, and everyone was thanking me and saying, "You've done it." <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Safran said many of the emails were tongue in cheek, but a lot were just as sincere as Warren had been about the curse. "Quote: I guess because a lot of non-Anglo Aussies are into soccer, and in a lot of cultures, this sort of belief in the supernatural is way more accepted and taken for granted, and it's not." weird as it might be in anglo culture he said yeah i guess so like australians aren't really superstitious but we're very accepting of you know other people's uh, kind of superstitions in, in, in a way yeah, like we're think, sensitive those, about that culture i think those emails kind of summed up perfectly he, he said that a lot of them were, t- were tongue tongue in cheek and a lot of them were serious and i think that's the split between like the, the anglo aussie sports fans are like ah, oh, yeah it's a good that was a good joke wasn't it yeah, about yeah. that curse yeah. and then yeah the rest of it are like, thank you, dude. That was yeah, fucking yeah. awesome. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Johnny Warren didn't live to see Australia make the World Cup. He died in t- 2004, just months after helping Safran break the curse. Warren was the first sportsman to be given a full state funeral in New South Wales. And the former Socceroo captain said he wanted his sporting legacy to be the phrase, I told you so. It was a phrase that was meant to be spoken when Australia finally achieved legitimacy on the world soccer stage. He apparently said it on his deathbed. And two years later, among the banners held aloft by the 82,000 people at Telstra Stadium were some that bore the words, I told you so. Awesome. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, uh, yeah, that's kind of nice. R.I.P. That's hit me in the feels. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Australia not only competed in the 2006 World Cup in Germany, but they actually did well. They finished second in their group stage, progressing to the round of 16, where they lost to eventual champions Italy thanks to a controversial penalty in injury time, and that was fucking bullshit. Yeah, he dived. Bullshit. He yeah, dived. Bullshit. He dived. So look at us now. Look, at, we all know it. Like that yeah. was absolutely <laughs> fucked. We were only just talking about this yesterday, actually, weren't yeah, yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, it remains their best placing in a World Cup, but since then, Australia hasn't missed a World Cup. They've also won two Asian Cup finals. Can you believe it? Uh, well, yeah, okay. The um, There's been a couple of other uh, other things that, that have sort of happened throughout that time, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in, in Australian soccer, like ooh, the country started to take it a little bit more seriously and stuff as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We put more uh, finances into soccer. Uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of support after, you know, the the first attempt, I guess. Well, um, yeah. Well, after in, in the mid 80s. Yeah, so in 85 and 89 were the sort of... Was it 85 and 89? Anyway, they were, they were started to get into qualifying a bit more regularly. Then, yeah. you know, there's an increased influence. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and it def- definitely felt like as an Australian, there was a lot more momentum, you know. Well, I mean, we had a lot more players playing internationally as well. True. Yeah. I mean, uh, probably... Kuhl and Schwartz were, yeah, yeah. were both playing. Like, yeah. Schwartz was a gun. Yeah. 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 So, here's some additional information. This, I like this bit where after I ask you, can you believe it? Then we kind of just... Yeah. Well, we we haven't entered it yet. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> um. Yes. Do you think the curse was a real thing? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's. Uh, I think there's something like it's psychosemantic that uh, that people can uh, pick up and hold on to, and and it affects the way that they think about things, and it affects their confidence. It affects certain things like that. I, I, I think there, there is actually some something to it. Hmm? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Purely because soccer in Australia has been so underfunded and there is so many sports that grab from that talent pool, whether it be footy, cricket, um, rugby, like kids who are yeah. starting, maybe could be kicking a soccer ball around and then another sport has come along and they've followed that one. Totally. Yeah. And then... It was never, it was never seen as an A-level sport well, in Australia. Well, we didn't have a domestic competition for how long, you know? Like, yeah, we um, were sort of banking on these yeah. guys going international. Wasn't and- there some shitty version before the A-League? There was something uh, oh, like a state-based thing, but yeah. I mean, just probably about as well attended as um, North Melbourne games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think if it were a true curse, we wouldn't have won at all. Like, it would have been brutal, you know? Not just, uh, yeah, we're winning so a little the, bit and then... This is the taster uh, again, though. It's like you get to you get to play. You, oh, you're yeah. in a game to make it to the World Cup. That'd, I, I think, that'd be really nice. So it, it? it's possible because, as far as I know, we're still not... Yeah, one of the world's best soccer teams. So, is it possible that the curse is still in place and that it, in fact, wasn't lifted at all? I think no. That's what. So, what? What? If you're measuring bar for the, to show the curse is lifted, was just getting into the World Cup for the first time in 32 years. I think that's a pretty acceptable, yeah, yeah totally level mm. of of going. Okay, the curse is broken. But if you're saying it's like until we fucking win the World Cup, well, this curse could last forever. Well, See, I- we don't we don't throw enough money into soccer as a country to probably win a World Cup, no. in my eyes. Like, 
That that was probably our shot. You mean uh, like Italy. Pay, yeah, pay, yeah. Pay, paying off the officials. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you look at like uh, Belgium and um, France, like their teams were worth insane amounts of money on the yeah, yeah. sort of national league level, like what they were paid by their representative clubs. Yeah, was yeah. it a look in the game? Who did we play? Was it Argentina we played in the first round this World Cup? Uh, no, we played, we actually played France. France, yes. Yeah. And then the first game and the, the comparison and the value of the teams was like yeah. a hundred times difference. Yeah. See, French versus Australia. That that shouldn't matter. If, if Mighty Ducks has taught me anything about competitive <laughs> sports, it's that if you believe in yourself enough you can do it mm. but you just have to make sure there's no curse on you before you believe I, I, in yourself I think this is just a convenient time of we've put money in and now we're better thus doing better it's interesting you say that because between the supposed laying of the curse in 1969 and being lifted in 2004 Australia won the Oceania Nations Cup four times not hard well, that's that's kind of that's true, yes. Mm. Uh, and the, the tireless work of people like Johnny Warren also lifted the profile of the sport uh, um, over that period of time, as well as available funding and professionalism. So that's all the points you've hit on. In fact, in 2001, Australia set a world record for the largest victory in an international football match when they defeated Tonga 22-0. That's Jesus. just horrible. Two days that's late. Insane. That's horrible. Two days later, they smashed that record when they defeated American Samoa 31-0. <laughs> Now, like, well, I'm just going to put it out there, but a side with a curse on them isn't breaking world records. Yeah, yeah. Even if it is just kicking around some some bunch of, you know, low-ranking island team. I don't that, know. That would be insane. I want to try and find that on YouTube. Yeah. Dur- that's nuts. During that match, Archie Thompson broke the record for most goals scored by a player in an international match by scoring 13 goals. <laughs> like, Archie Thompson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You score, you score 13 oh. in a game of footy and everyone loses their shit, yeah, like, yeah. let alone soccer. This all contributed to Australia moving from the Oceanic Confederation and into the Australian, uh, sorry, into the Asian Confederation, something Warren had been pushing for in his lifetime, but which only came to fruition around the time of the 2006 World Cup qualification. It's yeah. argued this change consolidated and improved Australia's standing in world soccer, something lacking during the curse years. A government inquiry was also held into the state of soccer in 2003, and the resulting report recommended a large-scale overhaul of the sport in Australia, including how it was funded and how it was run. Prior to this, the Socceroos were so bankrupt, they were unable to pay for internationally-based players to travel to matches. Wow. The report also led to Soccer Australia being disbanded due to conflicts of interest, mismanagement and infighting, allegedly bringing the sport into disrepute in Australia. And it also led to the creation of the A-League, the launch of which was the final public appearance of Johnny Warren. During the so-called curse years, Australia was runner-up in the FIFA Confederations Cup final, losing to Brazil in 97. They finished third in that 2001, made the quarterfinals in the Olympics in 1988. And their tally of wins, losses, and draws in the curse years, 141 wins, 65 draws, and 90 losses. So that's a loss every 2.3 games. That's not too bad. Yeah. Not bad at all, really. So that's a terrible curse. Okay, so yeah, we should have had that information before you asked us the question. (laughs) (laughs) He just wanted to suck I didn't take the bait. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, that's bullshit, man. Okay, but wait a minute. But post-curse... They have 80 wins, 39 draws, 44 losses. That's a loss every 2.7 games. So 2.3 during the curse years, 2.7 after. I'm backing you up a little bit there. There's a little bit of information for you, Colonel. Yeah. 
Finally, I attempted to contact the surviving members of the 1969 Australian football team that played in Mozambique. You, you, you tried to call them? Yep. But none of them returned my contact. Uh, <laughs> classic we, Brady, classic Brady, doc Brady, move. Yeah. yeah, Brady and I don't even return his <laughs> <laughs> But I did speak with prominent soccer historian and author Roy Hay, who has spoken to several members of that team about the Hex, in particular Ron Corrie, Ray Bartz, and Billy Wojcik. All three told him there was no mention of a witch doctor or a curse while they were in Mozambique. And Hay himself said there was little to no mention of these things prior to the publication of Johnny Warren's autobiography. So, he just thought he'd chuck it out there. No, I think that uh, this, this all happened, but they, they didn't want to talk about it. They, they wanted to bury it. Hay said that Corey, Bartz and Wojciech agreed that such a tall tale sounded like the work of two members of the Socceroos' entourage in 1969, the Qantas rep who travelled with them, Tom Patrick, and team doctor Brian Corrigan. Quote, The pair of them were very given to getting up to pranks of one kind or another. If there was anything going on, they were often at the bottom of it. It rings true in the sense of keeping up morale, particularly leading up to the third game in Mozambique, because we weren't there expecting we went there expecting to clean up Rhodesia very easily. We played two drawn games and it was only in the third where they won by three goals to one. So up until then the goalkeeper had played an absolute blinder. So this is Roy Hay telling me this. Mm. So the story that Patrick and Corrigan concocted was that they'd got the witch doctor to put a curse on the keeper. And lo and behold, he had a bad game and in the early part of the third game he got injured and was substituted off. I think this was one of their pranks. It makes entire sense to me that Patrick and Corrigan would do something like set up the curse story. And of course, later on, Johnny made a good play of it as a very separate, very odd chapter in his book. It doesn't really fit logically into the scope where it appears in the book, but it enables him thereafter to explain every defeat that Australia suffered from then until he died as the consequences of the curse. Um, did you call try to get in contact with Corrigan and the other guy? Uh, no, I that, didn't. That, no. Seemed, that seems like an obvious That's, step. That does, doesn't take. it? Yeah. Mm, um, the mystery remains then. Yeah. Hay, Roy Hay said he had no doubt Warren believed the curse to be true, despite there being many, quote, practical and sensible reasons why things went wrong at various times for the Australian soccer team. So I assumed he was there the whole time, but he actually didn't even go. Who, Warren? Yeah. No, yeah, no, he didn't. He's not mentioned as among the players who supposedly went to the Nyunga. <laughs> what? Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> so he's just been taken for a ride. Yeah. And- by these two pranksters, yeah, and I haven't got that written here, but um, apparently they they would prank um, the the members of the team so much that um, some of the players got revenge on um, on Patrick and Corrigan. One of the things they did was that one of them was off to a very important meeting, and they were several floors up uh, in the hotel and just dumped buckets of water on him in on his suit, and he had to go to the meeting like that because. <laughs> They're on, they're on the road. He's only got one suit. Oh. Um, and another one was that uh, Tom Patrick's room, the team went into his hotel room and took out every stick of furniture in the room and just he stashed it somewhere else in the hotel. And so he gets back to his room and there's just nothing in there. <laughs> and, he has to go, and he has to go and share a room with the team doctor. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, 
Yeah, I feel a little bit bamboozled, Doc. You you, you left out a, a significant piece of information, and so, but I, look, I I still think there, there there is you know <laughs> something to curses and and the psychological effect. I don't think you know that I don't believe in the actual you know voodoo hex magic uh, here of comes it. the back pedal yeah. <laughs> but you know. Safran said that actually and I thought I had it in here but um, John Safran said that the uh, the mental effect of having a curse is can be as good as a curse you, you, if yeah, you yeah. think you are then you can talk yourself into it exactly yeah um, and, and you can also spread it just just like John Warren did like he, he's been talking about it for yeah. years and and it kind of it's like it infects other people as well yeah Craig Foster said that he didn't think any of the players were hugely aware of it that he that he could remember um, at the time and it feels like it's something he was only sort of told about subsequent so Roy Hay said that, quote, in 74, we actually qualified for the World Cup after another series of qualifying matches, and you would have thought the curse couldn't have applied there, he said. Quote, it was really after that that we had a whole series of games from 74 until 2005 before we managed to qualify for the World Cup again, and each time you could say, well, perhaps this is the curse in operation. But we would go through the qualifying competitions in Oceania, which was the confederation of which we remember, and it would be relatively easy. And then we'd come up against a battle-hardened team from other parts of Asia or more regularly South America. These teams had played multiple games against top-class opposition. We'd beaten New Zealand and the Pacific Islands and suddenly we come up against that. So usually we were falling at the last hurdle before the World Cup, but that would reinforce the idea that there was some nefarious forces or occult behavior at work. Hay noted that the curse ended right around the time when the Socceroos achieved a level of professionalism and skill never before seen in Australian football. Pretty it's much basic- just what I said. You I nailed know, it. I know fuck all about Brady soccer, Jones. but... Nailed it. It's Ow, basically yo, like a modern fable. Like, that's essentially what it is. Uh, yeah, but... We, well, the modern fable would just be they, they tried harder and they got better. The cursing is just this weird <laughs> subplot going on. Well, no, it's, it's like a karma thing too, you know, like they, they, they did bad karma by, you know, like cursing this, um, this team to lose and copped it. And then, you know, after a while they, they thought, you know, they had to give back and they did. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't the team. It was just like some TV host who went, that'd make a fucking great story. Safran said that he was told one of his producers had read Johnny Warren's book and said, this would make a great episode. You should go and lift the curse. So the idea actually came from one of the producers on the show uh, yeah. who, who thought, oh, here's a thing we can actually go and do. Yeah, cool. Um, and yeah, but and it's it's a great episode of Saffron vs. God. It's a great series. Yeah, it's yeah. Really there, cool. yeah. There's another one where he um he gets exercised. Oh yeah, man, yeah, that in, is in, in America. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy. The you can see that like he's he's trying to be as analytical and skeptical as possible, but then this thing occurs to him, and watching it is horrifying. Yeah, like, and inter- what happens to his face? He contorts his body, and the interviews with him afterwards, he he can't. He says he can't explain what happened. And he is either just fully committed to the part or he's just yeah. so committed to the bit, he's just never going to, you know, explain it. But well, I, think he, I, I, I he feels like something genuinely... I disagree. I, he, he's actually, he's, he's a, uh, a Jewish guy, right? He practices the Jewish religion or... I don't know how to Or did he at is. the time. Yeah, maybe? he's was he's born Jewish, yeah. If you're a spiritual person and, you know, you, you believe in religion, then it's possible that you know maybe more susceptible to that influence... You know, I just remember yeah. uh, the interview with his producer afterwards, and like he was freaked out. 
Yeah. <laughs> so a guy who hangs out with him off camera and probably knows a lot of what goes on that we didn't see as to, you know, John, mm. how John Safran is as a person. Yeah. 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 Look, if, if, if you um, get, get the opportunity, jump onto YouTube and, and look it up because there's some, some really crazy stuff on there yeah yeah um we'll have the links to all the sources of course some there'll be somewhere on our facebook page or whatever page it is we have um and so you can check it out and there will be links to the um that uh episode of uh john saffron versus god uh there's also a link to my article that i did for uh abc about the curse you which curse I wrote. Curse. A curse upon you, Matt Neal. I wrote for the ABC News website for the World Cup. So uh, check oh, that out. Shut up. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening. Good night. Bye. Bye.